great to be with you today and to share. And uh, I've been given a great title uh, about Joshua and uh, the uh, faith for new challenges. Uh, thank you, Alistair, for all the work you've put into this and for the uh, invitation to come and speak on such an important and interesting character. Uh, Alistair said, if you want to change the title, you know, feel free to suggest something different. No, it's perfect, because this man, Joshua, this is exactly what he had. New challenges. Boy, they were some challenges. After all, all those people, they were the second generation out of Egypt, and they only had known one leader. They only had known the leadership of Moses. Nobody had ever um, had any other leader in their lifetime. And their parents had the same leader, Moses. And so it was a completely new opportunity, a new challenge. Moses had been a, a great success and a blessing to many people. He had a, a humble life of great achievements. But now he had gone. And the work had to keep going. So let's read a few verses from Joshua chapter 1. And uh, then we will look at them in more detail as we go on. Joshua chapter 1. Let us hear God's word from verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. For every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses." Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. And uh, we'll continue to uh, look at various verses in this chapter as we go through and uh, see just what it was like for Joshua to respond in faith to the new challenges. Sometimes people will tell you that the Bible's not relevant, especially the Old Testament. You know, uh, sometimes when I'm sitting in a plane or something and people say, what do you do? I say, I teach the Old Testament. I teach Hebrew. It's the best way to get peace for the rest of the flight. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the conversation. But, but you know... The Bible is relevant because all of us face new challenges. Do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't. We never know what tomorrow holds. We are constantly walking into the darkness of the future. And we all need to be like Joshua, aware that new challenges lie ahead and to be able to have faith to face those new challenges. As uh, Joshua heard those words, Moses, my servant, is dead. It just seemed to be the end of an era. And he had to begin again. But the thing was, he wasn't being asked to do it 
in his, with his own strength. Uh, you see, you never read in the Bible about how clever Joshua was or how um, tall he was or what a great soldier he was or what training he had for battle. Because the emphasis is not on him. The emphasis is on what God could do through him. And when we're facing challenges, we don't have to face them on our own. And that's what faith is. Faith is just believing what God says he will do. So Joshua was told that no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life because you're such a good soldier. No, because I will be with you wherever you go. Now, the uh, faith that Joshua had, of course, it was all very well to believe, and it's great to believe, but sometimes, you know, uh, faith must lead to action. It's not just enough for him to say, wonderful, God's going to do all this for us. Isn't that great? I believe Lord, get on with it. Because faith has to lead to action. I've called it active faith. First of all, there were things that they had to do. It's great to believe that, you know, if you trust in God, he will do everything for you, but uh, uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't quite work out like that. We have a part to play too. I always think a good illustration is the time when Jesus turned the water to wine. You remember that uh, feast? And remember the dilemma? And then Jesus said to them, go and fill the big jars, the big clay containers, fill them up with water. He didn't do that for them. They had a part to play themselves. And so it was in Joshua's time, he had to go through the camp, tell the people to get the supplies ready. Just as Jesus didn't do the thing that they could do, so there's a t we have our part to play too. And Joshua and his people, they had to do the bit they could do. When it came to turning the water into wine, that's something they couldn't do. And Jesus did that for them. But God doesn't do for you what you can do for yourself. Sometimes when you're praying and praying about something, God says, well, you do it. And so it was, they had active faith. They had to believe in God, but go ahead and do things as well. Also, there had to be spiritual preparations. And this verse, this great verse, was mentioned in the opening prayer. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. You know, sometimes it's possible to come to church and uh, what do you expect to happen? Well, you expect there will be coffee at the start. And that's a very good tradition you've started here. I like that one. Uh, you, 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 you expect there'll be an opening hymn. You expect there'll be singing. You expect there'll be prayer. You expect there'll be reading. But you really expect God to change your life or make a difference to you that you'll not be the same person for the incoming week. That you'll, you know, they were told to expect amazing things because God was with them. 
It's great to see you all this morning. It's nice to meet friends again. But it's good to know that God's here and that we're not on our own. And when God's here, you expect amazing things. Because we can do the ordinary. You leave the extraordinary to him. And uh, it's great to believe that everything will go smoothly. But it's also great to believe that God will do something inside us. And make it, because you see, I don't know how to meet your needs because I don't even know what you need most. Sometimes we don't even know ourselves. But God knows exactly what we need inside. And he's the one who can meet those needs. He's the one who can do amazing things today. Things that we've worried about. Things, new challenges that we have to face. Things that get us down. God can meet us where we need him and help us through those challenges today. The great God is here with us today. Active faith means really trusting him and expecting him to do great things because between them and the promised land, there was a river. Now, the River Jordan, it isn't the biggest river in the world. It isn't the mightiest river in the world. And uh, uh, the, the songwriter who wrote the song about going to heaven to, to see the mighty Jordan roll, he's probably never seen it. It's not mighty, and it certainly doesn't roll. But, you know, at that time, it was in flood. And that little river, when it was in flood, was a tremendous barrier. And it was impossible for them to cross over on their own. So act of faith meant going down to the Jordan and beginning putting their feet into it. And it was only when they walked into the water that God did a miracle, and the water dried up to let them through. I uh, use a, sometimes use an illustration of active faith from a, a, a story about a man called Blondin. Apparently, Blondin was great at walking on a tightrope. And he could, and even walked across the Niagara Falls. And then that all got boring for him. It was too easy. So he decided to push a wheelbarrow across. And here there's a... 1859, an invitation at the cost of 25 cents to see the wheelbarrow being pushed across the Niagara Falls. Apparently, before he did it, he said to someone standing by, do you think I can do it? The person said, yes, I think you can do it. And he said, I'm glad you do, because I would like you to step into the wheelbarrow. (laughs) (laughs) Can you see two different kinds of faith there? You know, there's a faith that says, yes, I believe. And then there's the faith that says, I believe so much that I'm willing to actively step into the wheelbarrow or face the challenge, whatever it is. It's a different thing standing on the shore and watching somebody else doing it. But active faith says, yes, with God's help, I can do it. It had to be active faith. It also had to be obedient faith because God said to Joshua, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, 
you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. That's uh, true of us all, isn't it? As I was saying earlier, we don't know what tomorrow holds. But God is the one who can guide us. He gives us the call not just to believe in him, but to follow our faith with obedience. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It wasn't a neatly bound Bible like we have, but the word of God that Joshua had, he was told to focus on it, to pay attention to it, and to meditate in it. Now that word can be a bit confusing. Meditate. Um, In the Hebrew, the word that is used here is uh, maybe a bit different to what we normally think of of meditate, actually. And it's used somewhere else. And you'll not see the word meditate in this verse, but the same Hebrew word is there. And it's this one. Can you see where you might see the, the word meditate there? This is what the Lord says. As a lion growls, a great lion over his prey, And though a whole band of shepherds is called together against him, he is not frightened by their shouts or disturbed by their clamor. The lion is focused. What God says, you see, he's so focused that that he growls over the prey and there's nobody going to move him. It says a whole band of shepherds try to chase him. He's focused on what he's doing. And I show you that because that's the same word. The word, the lion growls over his prey. You know, he's taking it seriously. Nobody's going to destroy his focus. He's absolutely focused. And that's what the word meditate means here. Be focused on what God says and keep going his way. Because it's a living word that God gives us. I sometimes heard people saying, you know, the word of God was inspired. And we all believe that. But, uh, but, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say the word of God was inspired. Do you know that? It doesn't say that. It says the word of God is inspired. That God's word is alive. That he speaks through it today. That it's not just something that was inspired away back thousands of years ago. It's inspired today. Inspired means God breathed. Some people find it a bit difficult to understand the Bible and they think it's too hard and you know what's wrong Um, I'll tell you a little incident that happened to me just two weeks ago I was uh, I'm not greatly into art and I always needed to explain to me so I was relieved at an art exhibition I was at that the artist turned up himself this exhibition had taken him three years to put together and some of the paintings were absolutely fantastic but there was a little room set up and uh, there was a one-bar f- fire in one corner, and uh, th- there was a, a black-and-white TV, which was showing all those static lines, no picture. And then on one wall, there was a fantastic big black circle. And I thought, I could have drawn that. <laughs> black circle. 
And then the uh, artist came in and he said, did you touch the circle? And I said, I wouldn't dare. And he says, but I want you to touch it. And when I touched the circle, my hand disappeared right into it. And I put my head in, it disappeared too. It wasn't a circle, it was a black hole. Well, you know, I've been talking to people since then that have been to see that art. I was even talking to an artist that had been to see it. And uh, I said, did you enjoy it? He said, yeah, what did you make of the black circle? I said, that wasn't a circle. And I became an expert in art. (laughs) And I was able to tell the artist what it was all about. Do you know why? Because I'd met the author. I'd met the artist himself. I had had inside information. And we turn to the Bible. We need inside information too. We need to have the insight of knowing the author of the Bible. And it's when we know him that the Bible is not just ancient history, but that God actually can speak to our hearts as we study it. So obedient faith is necessary. And also consistent faith. Discouragement is an easy thing. If I was those Israelites, I would have been amazed at the Jordan opening up and full of expectation. And then what happened for the next, for the next six days? Nothing. They marched around the walls. They saw how big the walls were. They saw the sentries at the top of the towers. They saw how amazingly strong the city of Jericho was. They saw how difficult it was going to be. And there's uh, Jericho today is just a big uh, archaeological site. It's one of the oldest cities in the world, all buried under many centuries of, of ancient cities built one on top of another. And somewhere in there are the walls of Jericho. But when they walked around the first day, nothing happened. When they walked around the second day, nothing happened. By the third day, I would have been very discouraged. But they were told to keep going, consistent. Even when things don't seem right, it doesn't mean that God's not in control. By the fifth day, I would just have stayed in bed, I think. You know, there was no, what was the point? But you know, when they walked around, when they kept to the day that God appointed, suddenly the trumpets blew and the walls came tumbling down because it was God's timing. I hate having to wait for things. But sometimes it's those that wait on, on the Lord's timing, it says, shall renew their strength and shall mount up with wings as eagles, and shall run and not be weary, walk and not faint. I think Joshua didn't look at the height of the walls. He didn't look at the height of the defensive towers. He didn't look at the expertise of the soldiers guarding the city. He believed that God could do amazing things. And you know, for everyone here, whoever we are, God is the God who can do amazing things for each one of us this very day. When we come to him, with faith. As Paul said, we need to keep alert as we move, as we think of the Old Testament. It was the same in the New Testament. Keep alert. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous. Be strong. God wanted to take them into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. But God's timing was not their timing. 
they had to wait on the Lord's timing until he chose to act. And sometimes in life, we face challenges and we just don't know what God is doing. Um, I was recently working on the book of Ruth and at the launch of the little commentary, people asked questions. And one question was, could you sum up the book of Ruth in one sentence? After a minute's thought, you know, I, I, I came up with an answer and I've, I haven't thought of a better one since. So maybe that was inspiration. Because the book of Ruth is all about Ruth and Naomi and, the, and, and everything seems to get worse all the time. And what I said was, when God, when God is, seems uh, hidden, as he must have been to Ruth and Naomi, God, Naomi said, she was full of bitterness. The Lord has, the Lord's against me. The Lord was hidden. So I, I thought the book of Ruth can be summed up by saying, when the Lord's hidden, he's not absent. When there's times when you feel that uh, there's nobody there. The hard times, that's the times when we really need faith, when we really need to believe. It's easy enough to have faith when everything's going well. But God calls us to have faith in the dark times as well. In the hard times, when it looks as if God isn't there, but he's never absent because his timing is perfect. And you know, one day he sent his son to that area. Joshua entered into that promised land and he didn't know he didn't know the, the, the great scheme of things that he was part of because he was part of God's great plan to bring his son to that promised land. And around that Sea of Galilee that Joshua saw himself came the Son of God in a little fishing boat and he taught the people and then he gave his life and he died for them. And that's who we put our faith in today. An amazing God who not only dried up the Jordan River, but he did something more amazing for, than that for us. He died on the cross of Calvary to take away our sins. He shed his blood. He allowed his body to be nailed to a tree for you and for me. That was a greater miracle than drying up the Jordan River. And three days later, when his body was in the tomb... The stone rolled away and Jesus came back from the dead and he's alive today. And when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes to live within our hearts. He rolls away the Jordan of our sins and makes a way for us to come into the presence of the living God. What a remarkable thing it is. To have an audience with someone important. It's great, isn't it? Uh, my wife got a, an invitation once to a, a garden party. And uh, I had to go too. <laughs> and and uh, I, I met Prince Andrew. Didn't think I would, but he just happened to walk across and said, What do you do? I said, I, I teach ancient Hebrew. He says, I've heard many weird things before. <laughs> but he says, I guess you beat them all. And then he went to find somebody else that he could talk to. 
but you know, amazing when you're with someone, you know, important. But we're invited into the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Isn't that amazing? Jesus makes a new and living way so that every request that we have, every pain that we bear, every sorrow we have, every fear of the future, we can bring to him because he died. He rose again. He's alive forevermore. His word is living because he lives. And when we are born again, then we know the author of the Bible. Then we get to know it better because we get to know him better. But you know, in a congregation like this, I'm going to make a guess that there's somebody here saying, yes, it would be great to have faith. But my faith is so weak. I remember visiting my grandmother after she broke her hip. And she said, oh, James, I wish I had faith. I wish my faith was better. And then shortly after that, I was uh, at a sermon by a man called Sam Workman. Uh, used to preach around Balamina. Some of you might have heard of him. I don't remember anything about the sermon except just one thing he said. He said, you know, it's not your faith that counts. And he described trying to cross a river. And he said, you're crossing a river now and you see two planks lying. One of them is cracked and broken. One of them is strong and sturdy. Would it be better to have a whole lot of faith in the weak plank or just a teeny weeny bit of faith in the strong plank? Because it's not our faith that counts. It's who we put it in. And when you put your faith in the Lord, you're not putting your faith in someone who's weak because he's been here before. He knows what it is to face temptation that, that we would never have to face. He knows what it is to face pain that we'll never have to face. He knows what it is to face the wrath of God. And because of him, we don't have to face the wrath of God. Our sins were nailed to the tree. And when we put our faith in him, we're putting our faith in the strong one. And we will be saved forevermore. And from then on, we can live looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The one who went before the one who, when we focus on him, he will lead and he will bless and he will help us. We have many challenges in life. Just everybody, everybody in the world has challenges. Wherever you are, whatever language, everybody has challenges. And Christians are no different. But the difference is that when we face challenges, we don't face them on our own. We have the strong one to be with us and to carry us through. So in the last few minutes here, I just want to go over those headings again. Faith needs to be active. Faith needs to be obedient. And faith needs to be consistent. And faith needs to be in the right person. Faith needs to be in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What can I think about for the incoming week? Uh, my wife, when she's listening to my sermon, she always says, don't finish too quickly. Leave people things to think about. Don't just sort of get to the end of the bit and then sit down and that's it. You know, it's good to have a good critic, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, she says, give them something to ponder. So here I'm doing it. If, uh, we now have thought about Joshua's faith. But how does that affect me personally?
That's what we need to ponder. How can I react to what I've heard? It's all great to hear about this great God, but how do I trust him more? How can I face the challenges by putting my faith more deeply and more fully in him? What difference will it make to me today? That's the point to ponder. Amen.